Are you looking to fine-tune? Whether for your business, your job, your team, or yourself, in each episode, we will be discussing different ideas and opinions using real-world examples to help you see opportunities, innovate, and succeed. Hi, it's Corby Fine, and welcome to Fine-Tune. So Jed Schneiderman, he is a proven entrepreneur, someone I've known in the Canadian landscape for quite some time. When I think of Jed, I think of someone who's really known for thought leadership, and not just in any one particular area, but across a spectrum of different topics, marketing, marketing technology, how to start a business, advertising, et cetera, et cetera. It really goes on. He's been an entrepreneur. He's built and sold successful businesses in the mobile space, broadcast and internet technology. He's a connector. He is someone who, when I think of, other than myself, someone in the landscape who can connect and put people together, Jed is the guy. And not just doing it for the sake of doing it, but because he cares, and it's about giving back. Jed was co-founder and president of Tapped Mobile, a leading North American mobile media company. He sold it to EQ Works back in 2018, I met him when I was his agency partner working at Microsoft in the online services group. One of the best campaigns I ever remember running was for Hotmail, but that's a whole other conversation. Just, we've known each other a long time. And the reason I asked Jed to speak with me today is I do find that when people put things on LinkedIn and they want to get reach, they do two things. They tag me and they tag Jed. (laughs) (laughs) And what a perfect time to get together on a podcast and say, why do people do that? Why do they want Jed's opinion? What is it about Jed that keeps him abreast of so many ongoing things in the market? And the real trick of having him on is to help tell his story so that other people can do the same and maybe get less tags of Jed on their LinkedIn profiles because they can do it on their own. So Jed, this is actually for you. Welcome to the podcast. And by the way, keep tagging Jed online, everyone. But Jed, welcome to the podcast today. Thanks, Corby. So, you know, when I think about the secrets of staying on top, of top of of information, knowledge, the things ongoing in our market, what's the big secret to staying so versed on such a diverse set of things? Is this something that you, you've built a model out for? Is it something that's really ad hoc? Is there a process? And I just personally want to know, how much time a week do you spend really just scouring the internet for stuff to share out on your network? So I think I have two initial thoughts. One is there's no shortcut to awesome. You just have to put in the time and do the work. My foray into social media, for lack of a better descriptor, um, was born out of a necessity. We started our company and we didn't have any money to do marketing. We did this crazy thing, which was we actually started a business and we didn't even know a single customer. And so all of a sudden, what was really a need became sort of this, this nature of social selling. And what we started to realize was these social networking tools were just a great way of meeting people and learning about things. And so it was literally born out of the need to survive. And so it started with prospecting, finding out where people worked, what role they did. And in some cases, it was literally just sending them an introduction. And then over time, 
just by sheer practice, back to the first quote, there's no shortcut to awesome. You just have to put in the work and you have to find your lane. What we started to realize in the context of our own business was people just wanted more information. And the reality is, I think the reason why people look to you, Corby, is because you curate stuff. You know a lot about ad tech. You know a lot about MarTech. You're suggesting things. You're showing people where things are going. And the reality is we live in a world where there is so much content that at some point curation becomes one of the most important things. So we can we can throw it way back to, you know, the TV guide or companies that used to review movies you know, frankly, I now have started to go on to Rotten Tomatoes way more often because not that my time is that valuable, but I'm worried about spending an hour on a bad show or two hours on a bad movie. So it's really all about curation. I, I think, you know, for folks that are interested in staying abreast of stuff or folks that want to carve a name for themselves to the extent that that's important, pick a topic and learn a lot about it and then become known for something. And then people tend to follow you and engage with you. Curation is an interesting point because then I'd say this promise of this AI ML capability to automate what's good and what you'll like versus what you just described, which is much more of the human intervention, right? I'm going to trust what other people say versus what a machine tells me. How do you balance those two things? And where do you think we're going in the future with regards to that? Oh, geez. I am so bad at predicting the future. I think I would have probably enjoyed much more success in my mediocre career if I was good at it. I think... I don't I don't know how machines are going to know all of these little nuances and all of these little tricks. So the fact that, you know, Corby works in marketing and technology, Corby is a drummer and Corby has all these other attributes that probably aren't properly captured in um, a database is something that I just store in my head. And so I, listen, I think um, machine learning is all about pattern recognition, but I think, you know, when we think about businesses that are built to last, things that are sort of fads versus things that stick around, I, I think machine learning is good for pattern recognition, but I don't think it's good for insight. And if I know that Corby has started a new job or if I know that Corby has started a new podcast... Um, and I can think of someone that might be a great guest on his podcast because I listen to them elsewhere or they've just started a new business. Those are things I don't really think that a machine could put together. So human. <laughs> I think you're, ta yeah. you're talking about, you know, I like your line. ML is about pattern recognition, not necessarily insights. And, and I think that's true. And I think that's why, you know, organizations at the end of the day spend a lot of time really trying to hone in the skill set of analytics and insight derivation from all this information. And it kind of brings me to the next point, which is then you have to think about quality, right? And when you think about where do you go and who do you trust? So you talked about movies and you talk about Rotten Tomatoes. By the way, I do like Rotten Tomatoes. I'm not sure that I would trust a bot. And in fact, I will say I get better recommendations by reading Rotten Tomatoes than the Netflix algorithm. Again, segment yeah. of one, okay, segment of two, but um, you know, nothing on Netflix. I just find sometimes to your point, it recommends because everyone else is, not because anyone else like me actually is. And that's just because they don't know I'm a drummer, but that's okay. So when, <laughs> when you think about quality of sources, 
what are your like go-to destinations around your areas of expertise? Like where do you source the stuff that you become the ultimate curator of? Okay. So we ready for a pretty lengthy list here. I'm ready. And I promise that we're going to have this available in writing so people can click on links at the end of this. So I am based in Canada. So I think that at least understanding one's own backyard is important. So I do go to the Globe and Mail, the National Post and the Toronto Star for just general trends. Typically, I'll dive in on business and technology because I find those overlap with my areas of interest. There are a couple of independent publications that I quite like because they tend to focus on marketing and media. So I do read Media in Canada regularly. I read The Message. I've recently subscribed to The Peak, which I also strongly recommend because it's got a nice cross-section. I do rely quite heavily on newsletters. So having a background in marketing and marketing technology, I read Ad Exchanger every morning. That's um, a must read. There are a couple of folks whose newsletters I find are really good because they're quite broad uh, and cover off a lot of different things. I'm a big fan of Benedict Evans. He has a weekly and sometimes a once every two week newsletter. I've recently subscribed to The Drum, which I find has actually got a good cross section. There's a gentleman who works at a company called Redpoint Ventures, and his name is Thomas Tunguz, so T-U-N-G-U-Z, writes a lot about SaaS. So for those that are interested in software as a service, I highly recommend it. On the data side, I do read eMarketer um, daily as well. High-level trends oftentimes have good cross-section of countries represented. Once a year, I really look forward to Mary Meeker's deck on the internet trends, which is great. Benedict Evans also just did a recent trends deck, which I thought was quite good. And then locally, I'm a big fan of Tim Dolan. He runs a company called Kickframe, and he puts out great content. And a Torontonian now living in New York, his name is uh, Daniel Eckler, and he's part of Space Cadet Ventures. And he puts out interesting newsletter content that is focused on innovation and trends. And last but not least, I do read TechCrunch every day. And I do find that that's quite helpful. So when do you eat? <laughs> that's an exhaustive list. I will say, personally, Jed has educated and created awareness for me of many of these. I think I have a subscription to most of what you talked about. My biggest challenge is the, the consumption of the content and uh, the amount of time that it takes to to go through it. Any any tips, any nuggets of wisdom on how to how to get the best of the best? You know, I tend to start my day by reading. So I have time that's blocked off the same way some people block off time for email and for other things. So frankly, it's a mix of scheduling and personal productivity. There are days where I don't consume all of it. I'll admit that I do skew more heavily to some of the content that is quite visual in nature because you can scan it. So, I mean, for me, it's really a scheduling thing. And then I have started to use Hootsuite a little bit more. And so part of uh, the consumption and sharing, which go hand in hand, is made a little bit more efficient by reading stuff and then just um, scheduling stuff out. I am also trying to spend less time on LinkedIn just to win some time back. 
Um, I'd say about um, seven or eight months ago, I reduced my footprint to only be LinkedIn. I deleted my Twitter account. I deleted a couple of other accounts, and that was a way of also winning some time back. So focus on when and focus on really where and how. So it's a, it's a good, good strategy. So you've listed off a lot of things. Obviously, you spend a good amount of time consolidating. Maybe right now, when you think about where we are in the world, and I think it's, you know, basically March of 2021, is it? I kind of lose track every day these days. Every day feels the same. Maybe give me, give me in the audience a, a couple of areas of, of focus. Like if you had to streamline and say, these are the things that you're seeing as trends. I know you're not a future predictor. We've already been through that, but what's getting a lot of buzz? What's hot? And then maybe the flip side of all the things you're consuming, what do you think is going to be the first to fall off? What are those fads or, or things that maybe are a bit uh, artificially inflated, much like the value of certain stock in the US right now? Sure. Um, I, I think one can't ignore life as we know it over the past 11 to 12 months. So I think what we've experienced, and I speak somewhat from a North American perspective, is that the digitization of our lives in certain areas have have progressed. We've all heard, you know, the first 10 weeks of COVID was the equivalent of the past 10 years when you looked at it from an e-com perspective. So there is a sense of digitization of our lives. I think what we're also starting to see is businesses that were forced to transform. So if you think of retail establishing click and collect, if you think of other companies that were historically bricks and mortars that had to quickly learn the e-com game, I think what we're seeing is that some companies are now permanently transformed. The thing that I'm always most excited and most intrigued about, which is what I've always spoken about, which is the intersection between online and offline. And so what I've always found is organizations that can master online and offline. So organizations that can provide a great consumer or customer experience, whether you're in their store or in digital, those to me are the companies that are going to win because those are the companies I think have really figured out. It's about the consumer or the customer experience and how you realize that experience is almost immaterial. So the trend I see is the continuation. I'm not a full believer of totally analog experiences, nor am I a firm believer of totally digital experiences. And again, we're using averages, which we know are kind of useless. Netflix is a purely digital experience, you know, but who knows, maybe one day you'll be able to watch a show on Netflix and then have an in-person experience based on a show. So maybe they'll go backwards. To me, it's this intersection between online and offline that I think is the trend that will continue. Our desire as consumers for immediacy and the desire for things just to work, to be quick, all of that stuff, I think that's really been accelerated over the past 12 months. I was reading about the YouTube star David Dobrik and his new camera app, which is interesting because while you talk about a desire for immediacy, I also think there's a desire for nostalgia, for the past, for the simpler ways of things happening. And mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you're aware, but his camera app is designed around the notion of developing the picture and having limited capabilities. So much like when we were kids and you'd take a picture and you'd have no idea what it would look like until you picked it up at the photo booth, you know, who developed it in chemicals for, for three days. The app actually won't show you the picture until the next day. It's like a 12 hour developing time. And so it's like surprise. And then there's limited capabilities of how to share it and how to make comments on it. And, and I think that this desire for 
the simple things, the nostalgia, and mixing it with the best of the digital world is really an interesting theme as well that uh, I, I do think we'll see more and more of. It. Yeah. So on the fad side, I think virtual reality is a fad. <laughs> um, I just have yet to see it deliver on a promise, given the fact that this is being recorded. Time will tell whether or not Clubhouse is a fad or not. I think they have a a huge opportunity around curation and quality control. I've described it as a conference where all the speakers show up with no preparation. So we'll see if they can solve that. You know, I think ultimately um, fads are like those products or services that don't really do a clear job, right? So if you think of Clay Christensen and the jobs to be done, what problem does it solve? If you think of Reed Hoffman, are you a vitamin or are you a painkiller? I think those things that, you know, are inventions searching for problems or are businesses that don't really address key pains or don't provide material gains. I think those are the ones to be suspect of. And I think lastly, things that you just can't understand um, oftentimes are fads. It's an interesting question. So have you ever like bought anything or spent a ton of time investing in something and like really quickly just dropped it like that new hobby, that new toy, that new digital gadget. You know, I often think back on things that I've, I'll say wasted time or money on and how many times those things maybe come back around as collectible or nostalgic down the road. And I just think a lot of what we consider fads it's it's just as much about timing as it is anything. You know, the the stories of there's so much more capability in technology than we're even being exposed to today, but we're not ready for it. So manufacturers and product companies are sort of sitting on the shelf. I don't know whether it's true or not. It's just, it's something I think about quite a bit. And so when I think about where things are going, the question is, are there a lineup of people and businesses ready to just make a ton of money and pounce on a market and intentionally holding on it because they have to let the current expiry of what's in market kind of run its course. And as consumers, I think it's often, it's just up to us to make the interpretation on, you know, what's worth spending your time, focus and money. And there's no right answer. Um, so for me, pick your passion, right? What are the things that you're passionate about and whether it's trendy or not? I mean, it, you know, it doesn't really matter. And that's when I love to see people and their individuality and their own passions, their own things that keep them happy. And I think at the end of the day, no matter what people tell you or quote, curate for you, whether it's a movie or whatever, you got to just go with what you like. Yeah, I think I think that's good advice. I think, you know, your podcast is a good example of that. You are, you know, you you found an area of interest and you're fulfilling a number of different desires, clearly a personal one, but also one for the market as demonstrated by how popular it's become. And you're giving yourself an opportunity to tell stories about other people. And if that's something that makes you happy and if you find an audience, great. I think it's a good idea. Yeah, it's fun. And you know what? I do it for me and for, for the audience. And, you know, you get great feedback and that's all that matters. So on that, maybe one more question. Part of this is, you know, it's about building a personal brand. It's me personally wanting to just be in market, offering interesting knowledge, tips, advice to people. And you're someone who I think, you know, to your point about cutting back on everything but LinkedIn, you, you know, you've got a very strong personal brand. What's your philosophy or any tips that you could offer people to balance the the sort of line of, hey, I'm here to add value, not just to be someone who wants to be on the speaker tour and make money on this. Well, given that I've made many mistakes and burned many a professional bridge on um, LinkedIn, I'm not sure that I'm the best person to offer advice. But this is what I've learned along the way. 
I, I think maintaining curiosity is really valuable. So, you know, if you spot something that's interesting to you, or if you think it's something that you'd like to better understand, you know, the power of asking a question just to sort of tease out essentially a conversation, e even though it's asynchronous, I, I think is a great tip. So, you know, we know that there are tons of opinions out there. The idea that these platforms can be used as quasi forms of discussion, I think are good. So don't underestimate the power of asking great questions. I think for those that have the desire to post and publish, again, we started with a very practical business need. Now it's become second nature because I essentially view it as a form of networking. I don't view it as a form of personal branding. It's not why I do it. I view it as a form of expanding a network. It's become all the more important as we've been in lockdown for almost a year. But I think a second key point is to be consistent. So if it's important to one in the context of your question of developing a personal brand, being consistent is really helpful. Consumers and individuals love to know what they're going to get when they tune into a show, when they read someone's book, or when they walk into a store. So being consistent is quite helpful. And for me, the two other things that have always stood out is just be authentic and be honest. It's way easier to keep track of the truth than it is of trying to fake it, tell lies, and pretend that you're someone that you're not. So I think just being authentic and being truthful. Um, there are many a time when I'll post something and someone will ask me a question and I'll say, I actually don't know the answer. And again, in the spirit of networking, I'll try to draw someone in who actually might know the idea. So you know, you're a perfect example. You know way more about MarTech than I do. So if I post something about MarTech or if I post something about starting a podcast and someone has a question, I'd rather just tag you in and you know leave the rings, metaphorically speaking, and then let you take over, which is good for you as well as good for the person asking the question. So that's why I get all those notifications. My apologies. It's all good. Jed, successful entrepreneur, well-respected knowledge giver, seeker, and sharer slash curator for the Canadian marketing advertising technology landscapes. Quote of the day, there is no shortcut to awesome, which is why this podcast has reached the 24-minute mark because there is no shortcut to awesome and we'll do whatever we need to do to get the outcome. But uh, I love your tips. Be curious, be consistent, be truthful, be authentic. And I think at the end of the day, this notion of, you know, networking, personal brand building, like there's so much that is overlapping because the platforms and the tools are, are shared, right? It's the same, the same places we log in to do all of these things. So just, you know, the advice from, I think both Jed and I is find the things that you're passionate about, you know, be honest about them. Don't try and pretend to be a knowledge expert in an area you're not. But don't be afraid to bring people into the conversation and it adds credibility to, to, to you and to them and help each other. And I think, Jed, you're, you know, you're a great example of that. And on behalf of me, for all those tags and my listeners, thank you for doing that for the market. And I really appreciate you being here with us today. Thank you. You've been listening to Fine Tune. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with me on Twitter at CFine, through LinkedIn at CorbyFine, or visit my website, CorbyFine.com. Fine Tune is produced by me, Corby Fine. 
Thanks for listening.